This is a podcast about Marquis Smith. My name is Rick Carr, and for the past 30 years or so, I've been what you might call an ardent fan of the work of Mark Edward Smith and the band he founded, The Fall. Marquis Smith's cultural legacy extends beyond the output of a band that never actually sold that many records. That is what this podcast is about. What Marquis Smith's work meant to a philosopher, a professional athlete, a literary critic, an artist, and the lessons those people and others think we all might be able to learn from it. On this episode, we'll be taking a look at how Marquis Smith created layers of meaning in his writing by incorporating references to history and pop culture. We'll do that by looking at the way he wrote about soccer, or football as we'll call it, but even if you're not interested in sports, I hope you'll stick with us. My guest, Pat Nevin, is a longtime fall fan who's a DJ, broadcaster, author, and retired footballer. He played on the wing for Scotland's national team as well as Chelsea and Everton in England. Like most Fall fans in the UK, he discovered the band thanks to the man I called the patron saint of Fall fans on an earlier podcast, the legendary radio DJ John Peel, who used his show on the BBC to promote the band again and again and again. It's the Fall and the Fall, the Fall of Crap, the Fall of Fall, the Fall, Fall, the Fall anyway, the new Fall LP, from the Fall with the Fall, of course. In 1982, Pat Nevin was playing football as a part-time professional in his native Scotland when he heard John Peel and that the fall were about to go on tour. 17-year-old Patrick here thought, I'll go along to see them. I had no idea what hit me when I got there. And I'll be honest, I didn't get it right away. It was interesting, but it was coming from an angle in an area, you know, that I couldn't get. You know, I, hey, I'd listen to Bowie, Stooges, Velvets, you name it. But this was different again. And it was difficult to see where it was coming from. And it was probably another three or four months after that, after seeing it and listening to them on Appeal Show a few times, that I started to think, actually, you can't help going back to this. There's something here. Now, you just need to fast forward a couple of years. You know, in 82, I was a student. I was studying in Glasgow. I was playing football, um, you know, part-time, but, you know, professionally. And then I went down to England to play for Chelsea. And that was the most incredible culture shock for them and for me. Let's be honest about it, <laughs> both of us. Mm. And uh, I went down from a very different background, you know, student kind of, you know, complaint rock, as they sometimes call it in the US, and also quite political as well. And my teammates and I had basically nothing in common whatsoever. To the point where when I put on the fall on the team coach, they started throwing things at me. And maybe I probably deserved it. <laughs> Did that sort of become a badge of pride for you then? That you could just sort of haul out this music that everybody else hated that you loved? Well, oddly enough, I just did what I did. You know, I, I just kept on being me. Um, and if you didn't fit in and if they thought you were weird, well, I thought I was a normal one and they were all the weird ones, to be honest. So <laughs> that was my perspective on it. 
Um, and I would, because I was a big muso and I DJ'd and, you know, I'd lo- football I loved, but it was secondary to music, which was my real passion. And I'd go to see gigs all the time, you know, you know, every one, two, three, four, five, sometimes a week. Travel quite a lot to see them as well. And there was lots of different bands that I'd, I loved at that time. But they were all into very much more mainstream music. Um, and what I found was very soft music. And what they couldn't understand is that kind of nice, easy, ballad sort of driven soft music, it gave me a terrible headache. Whereas the fall gave them a headache and I couldn't quite understand that. So I was just me. And and oddly enough, there was no bad feeling between myself and my teammates. They some of them tried, you know, to listen to my whatever it was, my you know, my, my taste in music or my taste in literature or whatever. But it was a stretch. And you're allowed to be different. It's, it's fine. And when you've got someone like Marky e. Smith around, you know, and there were a number of others, but no one more extreme than him, you realise it's perfectly acceptable to be the odd one, to be the different one, to be yourself and believe in what you are and who you are, be it artistically, your personality or whatever. And I don't think you can get more of an outsider in many ways than, than Mark E. Smith because he never, ever made an effort to fit in. You better change to be like me or come for where I'm coming from. That's his attitude and his line. Although your radio has been jammed, her talk about by chance. Educated kids know what they're on about. You've been oppressed for years. Hey, Russell Russell's over there. And you've had Chuck Chuck's rolls. You should hear real Russ Chuck Salsa stuff. I understand you. Pat Nevin says his appreciation of the fall and other post-punk music wasn't the only thing that distinguished him from his teammates. I was playing for a different reason than them. I was playing for, for the love of doing it, number one, absolutely, but for the creativity. My style of play was very creative, and that's why I did it. You know, and the fact that you could make a living from it or make some money or whatever, they were so far down the line. And the concept of being famous for it was, well, that was actually a downside of playing football as far as I was concerned. (laughs) So you can kind of see, if you know Mark at all, where I would understand him, Hmm. where I could see, you know, what he was looking at, the business side of, be it football, be it life, be it politics, you know. I, I could see it. But having said that, You'll know yourself, and anyone will know. You try reading Mark E. Smith's lyrics and getting a real strong hold on them. You could find you could spend a lot of time there, and you can read it in many ways just to suit you, to fit in with you. And that's fine. That's what poets do. That's exactly what good poetry, you know, can happen. It, it can either change your mind or spark an idea in your brain. And I think that word "sparks" an interesting one with Mark, isn't it? Mm. Because you think of his lyrics and the way he uses words and even, you know, the, the, the delivery. It may only be one phrase in the entire song, but it hits you. <laughs> it really hits you. But sometimes every line in the song really hits you. In 2005, The Fall released Theme from Sparta FC, as in football club. And it really hit Pat Nevin and a lot of other people involved with the game. 
started using the track as the theme for one of its sacred broadcast institutions, the Saturday afternoon rundown of every score in England and Scotland, from the world-class Premier League down to the semi-pro conference. Once, the Beeb even invited Smith on the air to read the scores himself. Barclays Premiership. Uh, Charlton Athletic 1, Manchester United 3, Chelsea 3, Newcastle United, nil. Pat Nevin says you could Liverpool, listen to the theme three, from Sparta FC as just a dumb football song if you want. But if you actually look, think of the lyrics, think of what he's saying, think of what Sparta means. Think of, you know, he will known, have known exactly what Laconophilia is. You know, and for anyone who doesn't, it's a love of Sparta. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and it's a very specific thing, you know, and... You then add that to what he's talking about at the time about Greek football fans going to a competition, they're going to meet English football fans, the concept of the battle, what that meant to Spartans. None of that is in the song. Mm-hmm. But it's there if you know the history, you know, and if you listen to what Mark would have said about who his favourite writers were and how he educated himself, it's all there. You just need to dig. Or you just have to have a a knowledge of history and art yourself and literature yourself. But if you just want to listen to it as a song, hey, it's pretty damn good as well. Mm. I love the fact that there are, there always were layers. And I have no, no belief that I have got to many of the layers. One of the layers of meaning in theme from Sparta FC becomes clear in the middle of the song, when the whole band comes in on what you could call a Greek chorus. Let's unpack those lyrics a little. We're not Galatasaray, we're Sparta FC. Galatasaray is one of the top professional teams in Istanbul, and a Turkish team to Greek fans would pretty much be the lowest of the low. Those lines amplify the threat that immediately precedes them. English Chelsea fan, this is your last game. Those lines fix the topic of the lyric as football hooliganism and its history in England. Chelsea, one of the teams Pat Nevin played for, used to be known for the hooligans in its fan base. A lot of English teams attracted fans who were more interested in brawls than ball. That came to a head in May of 1985 when Pat Nevin was playing for Chelsea. At the Heisel Stadium in Brussels, Liverpool played Juventus, one of the top teams in Italy in the European Cup Championship. Before the game even started, hooligans started throwing rocks across a temporary fence that kept fans of the two teams separated. At kickoff, Liverpool hooligans broke through the fence and charged Juventus fans. They fled in terror. When the stampede was over, 600 fans were injured and 39 were dead. European football officials banned English teams from playing in the Continental Championship for five years. So when Pat Nevin hears English Chelsea fan, this is your last game, 
it really hits him. That could almost be written directly to me because I was playing at the time for Chelsea and then for Everton while we were banned. So my entire career of European football was ruined um, by that, you know. And I, I have to say, I, I had a deep hatred of, um, of you know, the, the, the football thugs. And, you know, the, there's been many different sort of you know, pieces written about them since that I've tried to articulate that it was a movement, that it was something cultural. No, there were a bunch of thugs as far as I was concerned, and that mm. was it. Mm. Um, and I, he was, you know, my take on it at the time was, you know, I wasn't a defender of football at the time. I played it. I loved it. I loved the beautiful game. But I wasn't a defender of some of the sides of it that he wouldn't have liked. Mm. You know, like the corporate side of it. Like, I don't think he would have liked at all the, the kind of, the, the hatred that was involved in it. I mean, he was a, a Man City fan, but he would go and see other teams around in the, the northwest of England as well. He knew his stuff. He absolutely knew his stuff about football. But I don't think he had much truck with the more modern corporate soft side of it. You know, but I, don't, I say I don't think. I know <laughs> for a fact that that's the case. And so, in the midst of it, you will take that. My reading of that was slightly different for years, by the way. My reading of the Sparta uh, song was really him looking at it from a Greek football fan's point of view. Because hmm. Greek the Greeks were going into that competition. And all that ultra stuff, I mean, Panathinaikos, I don't know if you know, they've got the gate 18. Hmm. Um, you know, the, all the kind of ultras go there. So the ultra thing is all over the continent of Europe, and it's still there. And he was saying, by the way, you English fans, you've been out of it for a while because you've been banned, and you're going to be hit by it as soon as you go back with the England team. Marky Smith wrote another football song that sticks with Pat Nevin. It's called Kicker Conspiracy. Kick Conspiracy, Kicker, Kick Conspiracy in the Marble Halls of the Charm School. Uh, if you know David Goldblatt's book, uh, The Game of Our Lives, yeah. which is sort of about the Premier League coming and uh, it's parallel to Thatcherism and it's sort of making an argument that the working class got got just shoved unceremoniously out of football. And in a way, kicker conspiracy might almost presage that entire argument. No, you, no 100% it does. <laughs> no argument with that whatsoever. I 100% agree with that. Um when you, if anyone hasn't watched the video of that song, and it's very low budget, it's very lo-fi, but when there are certain statements he makes in that where he spits the word out, there's no other way of saying it, he spits the words out. There is hatred of it, you know, and, you know, he talks about, you know, cocktails and the plasticity, I think he says plastic and slime and Tudor bars and, you know, basically fakery that's been brought into what he thought was real sport, real love, which was a big thing in, you know, in the North. This has been, you know, an insidious development for many, many years. And other people would then say to you, yes, very good, insidious development. It's not done too badly, has it? <laughs> you know, financially <laughs> and as a business 
and they would argue you don't get people fighting and you know throwing balls at each other in the terraces anymore. So you have to understand that you know well you take away what was the working class, and of course Mark would be making that argument. You're taking away which was a, a massive part of the, their culture from them. That that's unarguable. The negative sides of that culture have been taken away is a good thing as well. So, you know, that's why when when I read that, he, I think, was aiming at a very specific group. And that group was people who are coming in to use football to kind of piggyback on its reality. And I think he nailed them (laughs) in kicker conspiracy. In the marble halls of the charm school, (laughs) how flair is punished. The how flair is punished is my, my well, actually I, again I take that quite personally because actually that could be a comment on the actual game at the time because you know at the time it was quite thuggish actually on the on the pitch as well mm. so I always have a butt with almost all the songs and even kicking conspiracy I've got a butt with that as well and the the butt is yeah let's look back and see the positives but hey there was plenty of negatives there as well don't worry about that. Mm. Mm. I get the sense that he kind of acknowledges that, though, too. I mean, mm. what he doesn't like in it is, if you think of that, the the sort of center of the song, fans, remember, you are abroad, remember, the police are rough, remember, the unemployed, remember, my expense account. Fans! Remember, you are abroad, remember, the police are rough, remember, the unemployed, remember, my expense account. Again, it's it's a a class analysis because it's the sort of middle class writers for the newspapers saying, hey, working class fans, remember, you're abroad, behave yourself. Okay, I'm going to go get pissed on my expense account now. (laughs) And the other thing is, I got to know reporters and very few of them in the end were that middle class, to be honest. But you're right. Oddly enough, that's the one that jumps out because he's, you know, he's he, the, he's basically talking down to, to some degree, to the fans. But the reaction to it right afterwards, if I can remember, he, he talks about is it hot dogs in a seat for Mister Hog? Yeah. You know, and you're thinking, yeah, let's have a go back. Let's <laughs> have a go back. Pass my pass. Pass my pass. The very famous sports. Reporter is talking there. Think of all the songs, the, the albums that the fall of, of released, and in the midst of that, all the songs within all those albums. And we are con- deconstructing this one little one, mm. which is incredible how much depth in it that he will take. You know that, and maybe I mean, hey, it's like Shakespeare. Maybe we read a lot of things into Shakespeare that Shakespeare had no idea that he was putting in there. Mm. There might be that as well, and I would say, Smith would say that himself. Uh, he definitely would have. Um, but that line coming after it, talking about Mr. Hogg, um, <laughs> grotty spawn, what a lovely line that yeah. is. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, you know, that that's, a, for me, it's a joy of, right, okay, I'm taking you in de- various social stratas here. But you know where he's standing, really. You know exactly where he's standing. Pat Nevin says when Marky Smith died earlier this year, he found himself thinking about DJ John Peel, who died in 2004. 
somebody asked him before he died, you know, why why do you want to live longer? And he said, well, there'll be a new Fall album out in a few months, which there <laughs> almost always is, you know, and you kind of get used to it and you kind of get spoiled by it, you know. So, you know, that, I remember thinking, it kind of crushed me a little bit, that, thinking, you know, there's, there's going to be a track that, that he could have wrote that I'll never hear, you know, that would make such a difference to me. I mean, oddly enough, the very last song that I ever bought that John Peel had played that I went out to buy, and he died by the time I went out to buy it, when it was released, was Blindness by The Fall. And he did a Peel Session version of it, which is, if anyone's not heard that, listen to the Peel Session version of Blindness. Wow. Maybe my favourite ever Fall track, which is saying something. Eyes wide open. The neck was slightly a dislocator But then I walked up the street There was uh, a repellent plastic Sad poster with a picture But I went into the shop to buy it, um, and it was back in the days we could buy a CD, and you know I went in and bought it, and came out and, and were tears streaming down my face, thinking, well this is never going to happen again. John Peel's never going to say, listen to this, I'll listen to it, I'll go out and buy it, and that'd be a massive part of my entire life. So when Mark died, there was a bit of a, it was like a little bit of hit in the heart in the same sort of area. And the only reason why it didn't hit me as much is because John was a personal friend and Mark was just somebody who I really admired. Pat Nevin nearly did meet Mark E. Smith once and he says the prospect made him very nervous. Not because he was worried about being starstruck. I mean, he's pretty famous himself and he spent time hanging around with Morrissey and Scottish indie pop pioneers, the Bluebells. Now, he was worried that the fall frontman would be in one of his moods. He was such a type of personality that he wouldn't, grab you on the shoulder and be your best friend. That's that's not going to happen. He would test you, or he would be antagonistic. Or, And we were supposed to do a TV program together about architecture, of all things, and we were going to have a debate and who's got the best architecture between Glasgow and Manchester. <laughs> anyway, Mark didn't turn up because he was rather the worst for wear, so I had to do both parts. <laughs> and in a way, I was really... It's the funniest thing, somebody who you admire, whose work you love. And I remember thinking, I'm actually quite relieved. I didn't really want it to be ruined. I didn't want it to, you know, him to be negative or, you know, test me that much. Um, there's so many people, most of them have been members of the band at some point, who <laughs> have fallen out with them over the years. And I kind of didn't want it to happen. Marky Smith lived a few months longer, he'd have had something to cheer about. Manchester City FC have just been crowned champions of England's Premier League by a runaway margin. Oh, 
My thanks to Pat Nevin for talking to me. Thanks also to Dominic Bliss and to George Qureshi of the fabulous soccer magazine Howler and its podcasting empire. If you want to get in touch, email me. Let me know who you'd like to hear on the show. The only rule is no musicians. The address is a podcast about MES, all one word, a podcast about MES at gmail.com. Please subscribe, leave a review, let your friends know about it. My name is Rick Carr. Thank you for listening. Thank you.